wasn't out there. Um, keys just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. Just dishing it. 94. Ryan Lomberg, right? That's a Ryan, L Ryan Lomberg number. I'm trying to think of a guy with 94 other than my birth year. What's up, everybody? Just dishing in 94. A little light crew this week. It's me and Toots really, really turning back the clock here. Um, these are always interesting when we get to do these in a, in a great way. This is how the whole idea kind of really came to fruition, if you will. This is it. Yeah, this is how we started. Just uh, two of us hopping on a video call together, talking about nonsense, whatever came mm. to our brains for an hour. But mm -hmm. yeah, dude, I'm I'm looking forward to it. We got a fun week to uh, to do it too with the NHL trade deadline. Both of our uh, both of our squads are battling for the wild card spots mm. right now. It's uh, it's been a fun time of year to be a hockey fan. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um. So much to get to with the trade deadline, right? Um, I mean, the battle itself. I mean, that that Eastern Conference is loaded. It's just getting more loaded. It's crazy to see what everyone's doing. And I don't remember the last time at a trade deadline that's all like so many of the big pieces are off the board before deadline day. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. It's everyone's kind of moving. We've seen even more movement today. We saw last week Ryan O'Reilly go right. uh, with Achari, obviously. Um, you know, we saw Chikrin just come off the board today and Patrick Kane uh, to New York in the last couple of days here. So, yeah, it's been it's been a wild time. Um, it's been. I think weird as, and maybe, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, as a fan of a team that is fighting for a wild card spot and in very much in the mix, it's been a little bit frustrating to me to see some of the moves that these other teams are making and then having a GM of my favorite team kind of sitting on their hands a little bit, not really getting into the mix. Because, you know, if the teams that are already either there or like, you know, Ottawa, right? What just just happened a few minutes before we logged on here yeah. with J Jacob Trickerin going there. Ottawa moved some some future assets to get Chikrin, you know, very solid young defenseman, but they're not in the mix, right? Not more uh, than the Sabres. Not, not any more than Buffalo. Or um, Pittsburgh. You know, or Pittsburgh. So, yeah, it's. It's one of those things where if a team like that can make that move, then why can't a team like the Penguins or, you know, why won't a team like them or the Sabres, you know, do that sort of thing? So I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I, I'm curious for to get a pulse on because although both of our favorite teams are in similar situations, they're also a little bit different because the Sabres are young and I would say overachieving this season compared to expectations. So the pulse on the Sabres right now are are Sabres fans. Do you want them to make a blockbuster move or do you kind of want to just protect what you've already developed? I'm, I'm in a couple schools of thought here. I see good points on, you know, if don't mess with it right now, like I can understand a lot of different reasonings for that. But when I see this return, for Jacob Chikrin. You bring up the Penguins not doing something like that. This kind of trade, honestly, I understand why the Penguins can't do it because I don't know that they have the capital or the means to acquire the draft capital to give to the Coyotes. Right. Um, so that, I think, is probably the leading factor into why you could feel frustrated as a Pens fan, right? That, that maybe they didn't try or there wasn't any real steam with Chickren and the Penguins. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or like you're saying, any guys for that matter. So that's another separate issue, I think, but specifically Chickren. Um, yeah, seeing another East team make a move, because there's been a lot of East teams that were in the hunt with that have made some moves. The Penguins and the Sabres are probably the main two that haven't. 
Um, you could argue the Red Wings too, but you know, they're again, kind of in that Ottawa school for me where it's like, yeah, they're there, but I don't, they haven't shown any stretches really until very recently to me where I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. I could see, you know what I mean? Where they're making moves, but um, yeah. So for those wondering, I've, sure a lot of you have seen already by now uh but the 2023 first rounder um the in the return for chikrin is top five protected if met pick becomes a 2024 first rounder that is unprotected should ottawa reach the 23 eastern conference finals the second round pick becomes a 24 first round top 10 protected if that condition is met the pick becomes a 25 first round unprotected so there's a lot to the deal, um, but that is all draft capital that the Sabres could have given up. Um, and I'm starting to see now, because they're a little bit above expectation, and maybe you could say they're now a little more ahead of schedule than we thought. Um, yeah, because I want to see them in the playoffs. I want that team to have a taste of you think, playoff hockey. You know? Do you think it's different, though? Because from my perspective, I understand what you're saying. But from my perspective, I almost look at it as a little different. Like the draft capital, it would be definitely tougher for a team like Pittsburgh for sure. But a team like Pittsburgh, I think, should have more urgency to make a move like that because because their window is closing at a more rapid rate, right? You've got guys like Crosby, Malkin, and Latang all on pretty team-friendly deals and all playing – unbelievable hockey this year like they're all playing well it's around them it's just yeah their bottom six has been bad the defense you know hasn't been great Uh, and to make a move like that would be huge for a team that is in the mix still but their window is kind of closing so you don't have time to wait where a team like buffalo you can kind of wait because you are a little bit ahead of schedule and all right, so if you don't sneak in, you know, this year in a wild card spot, you still overachieved from where people thought you'd be with this young of a lineup at the beginning of the season in Buffalo. And now you're moving forward with guys like Cousins, Thompson, Darlene, all taking big steps forward again this year. Yeah. And they're so young, right? right. So. Obviously, you're not going to deal any of those young pieces you already have in the NHL, but even some of those prospects, like well, that's where I was going. Is like you I can you this. can get rid of some of those prospects probably because they're not all going to pan out. Do. No, not all of them will. And even if they do, where are they going to fit on the roster? You don't have room for them all. So you know, and I think you know that trade with uh, for the Sabers, the Stillman Josh Bloom swap, like that's an example of Adams doing something, a future asset who, honestly, I was, I know our friends at the Charging Buffalo are very high on um, uh, Josh Bloom, who was traded for uh, Riley Stillman in that Vancouver trade uh, the other day, a couple days ago at this point. Um, So, I don't know, like, he's showing a willingness to do something now and give a jolt, um, you know, but he maybe I don't know, it's interesting. Because I actually found a really good response to the trade from a local radio guy, Brian Koziel at WGR. So shout out to Brian. That guy's a beauty, by the way. Um, he tweeted, uh, you know, he quote tweeted the uh, official announcement from the Sens communication about the trade. Uh, he said, this seems like something the Sabres could have done. Locker room would not be disrupted. Gives huge boost to the players. Rob Ray said on pregame yesterday that he was on teams just hoping for a, quote, boost uh, from Regeer. It means Darcy Regeer back when he was playing. When it didn't happen, it was deflating, uh, Ray said. Uh, and there, he just references a boost for the Senators. He then says there are still two days and players are out there that can have a big impact on current team. But seeing another East team make a move like this is tough. The excitement of the team being in the race is there. Haven't had this feeling in a long time. Understandable why fans want something. So that he pretty much summed up exactly like kind of what I feel. It's like I'm not like defeated or anyway. It's just like uh, I feel like that kind of if that if that was what the Sabers gave up for Chikrin, 
you know, because that's not active players. I was thinking there was going to be more like draft already drafted prospects involved in the deal. So even, I even even some of the already drafted prospects, though, right? Right, even, exactly. Some now, of those some of those guys, I know GMs have this thing where they don't like to move their young prospects, or some GMs don't like to deal picks. But you look at all the teams that actually win cups, they deal those picks. In a lot of those cases, right, you look at the Chicago teams that, you know, were those dynasty teams with Kane and Taves. They mortgaged the future and they got cups out of it. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh mortgaged the future and they got cups out of it. Tampa. Tampa Bay is doing the same thing now. And I believe it was the GM in Tampa that had just talked about, you know, getting rid of some of the picks and had said, like, you know, I'd rather have the guy than the future pick because at least in that player, I, you know, you know what you're getting. How many future picks, you know, you can get lucky on a guy in the second round or the third round or even mm-hmm. second half of the first round. But how many guys are first round, second round picks and don't pan out, even if they are a top 10 pick? It's right. not a, it's not a slam dunk. It's not a guarantee. So, you know, you can look at Arizona. What would you say it is? One in four first round picks are like yeah, long time rostered players. Like, you know, that's, yeah, good. And that's probably good. That's probably be, a good estimate. I'd be really interested to see the stats on that. But you look at a team like Arizona where it feels like forever they've just been taking on salary to get to the cap floor and they get draft picks in in exchange or they're trading away a really solid young player who's fed up with the losing to go to a better team or a team that's at least on the upswing and they're getting all these picks left and right and then they draft guys and they're gone in two years yeah like i mean it's that's why i just i've never understood the the hesitancy because it to me it almost and maybe i'm wrong but it feels like a lot of gms out there protect their prospects so much that they treat it like every prospect in their system is an Connor mcdavid and yeah. they're they're more afraid of trading a guy away and having that guy be super successful or find their stride at their next landing spot than they are to actually try to make their team better today. And that to me is kind of backwards, right? You're, you're taking the inactive route because you're afraid of a potential outcome rather than really just going for something. Yeah. I mean, I'm just taking in some of the uh, the the chances or the the information here, or just because the the chicken trade is tr- the chicken trade. My God, is so fresh still. Right. So, um, I saw another good point that I wanted to bring up too uh, from a guy Mike Gould on Twitter. Um, a retweet from Jeremy White, another GR guy. Shout out to Jeremy. Um, he quote tweeted another tweet of Ottawa's playoff chances jumped 5.6 from 5.6% to 8.8% after acquiring Jacob Chikrin. And then a guy quote tweets and he goes, that's why Arizona wanted their first round pick. Either it's a lottery pick that doesn't hit, in which case it's a highly valuable 2023 first in the 8 to 15 range, worth galaxies more than any other pick on the table from Boston, Toronto, etc." or it shifts to 2024 unprotected. So I think what came involved and why the Sabres were in like no man's land, I bet, because Armstrong, the GM of Arizona is like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're off. I wouldn't be surprised if the Sabres offered those pieces, but Arizona's like, we got Columbus and whoever, and obviously Ottawa interested we like their draft picks potentially more than yours. You guys are in the playoff run. Like they're, they're going for Bedard. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's what do you do there? So, and I mean, not Ottawa's not going for Bedard, but you know, Columbus was another team I saw who was in on Chickering too. Um, so it's interesting. I think you have to take, there's so many little nuances. I think that we just, you know, 
glance over, or maybe don't put enough stock in, or just even things we don't know about, right? The ins and outs and all the complications of trades. But I'm taking the wider approach where it's like, did we need Chikrin? Is that what we needed? I don't know. Do we need another left-handed defenseman when I'm already seeing rumblings that it looks like Ryan Johnson's actually going to sign with the Sabres once his college season's over? Another left-handed puck-moving defenseman, responsible defensively. Like, I, I mean, if Jacob Chikrin was a right-handed shot, this conversation's completely different. I think the, the packages for him that were being offered are completely different. It's astronomically more, I think. Not astronomically. I just think it's significantly more. Isn't, isn't, um, that, isn't that so wild? Like we it all, is. We all, get, we all get it as hockey fans, right? Because you need right-handed players. You need left-handed players to fill certain roles, to play in certain spots on the ice, whatever. Yeah. But it's just so wild to think, like, if this guy was the same exact player but just held his stick the other way, he'd be worth so much more. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. Um, but yeah, so I'm of the thought too, where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been upset at all if that's what the Sabres gave up. Um, I just think seeing those later links that we were still in on chicken, I think in hindsight, that might've been misleading because we were probably already on the outside looking in for my guess speculation the reasoning i just outlined because i was wondering that and i finally saw someone like articulate it well like i mentioned on twitter there so um i just think ottawa's situation made more sense for arizona to make that deal where i wouldn't be surprised if you were to have a behind closed doors conversation with adams and or the phoenix gm there or Arizona GM, excuse me, that they would tell you like, yeah, the Sabres offer was the same. It's just we, they're higher in the standings than Ottawa. So <laughs> their their draft pick looks better in this return. Sorry. And it's like, yeah, no, no fault there. No fault to Kevin Adams, nothing. You know, because it's like, it's an extra piece. It's like, and the, the question for me is just, did is that what we need? I think a boost would be great of some kind. I don't know if it's – I don't know if on defense is where it's at, especially with this Alex Tuck injury, Alex Tuck injury, because we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. Is there something you can do there with a guy who plays like him where, you know, can play on all four lines, he can change his game based on the situation a little bit? Um, is that player out there – Probably there's a, probably a similar player. He's not going to replace Alex Tuck fully, but you know, um, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on the chicker and stuff. You know, just kind of live time digesting it and seeing the return and whatnot. So um, yeah, that's what that's about what I got for the Sabers on trigger. By the way, already a nice easy example of what great deals. Uh, well, I shouldn't say deals. Deal Tage Thompson got. Did you see the Dylan Larkin contract? I did not. Yeah, what did he end up getting? Uh, let's see if I can find it quick. It was, I mean, but I mean, the big number was eight plus, eight million plus. So, um, it should be right on here somewhere. Eight year, eight point seven AAV. Yeah, 8.7. Tage Thompson's getting 7.2, I believe. Shout out to Kevin Adams. Another phenomenal deal. I know you're paying a little more. Um, you know, resume's a little longer in the league for Dylan Larkin. He's the team captain. I don't think it's a bad number for the Detroit Red Wings or for Dylan Larkin's services at all. I'm just saying... It shows again what an awesome deal that Tage Thompson one is, and I think soon you'll see the Dylan Cousins one as well. What do you What do you think Larkin would have got if he went to the open market? Nine and a half. Okay, that's where I would if I was a gambling. If I was a gambling man, yeah, no, I could I could see that. I. I in the back of my head, I was thinking it had to be higher than what he signed for. And I'm sure he had 
plenty of conversations with Iserman to figure out, you know, what the Red Wings were comfortable with, what he could be comfortable with. His yeah. agents obviously working that out with the team, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a situation where a guy gets paid a good amount of money, probably a little bit under market value, but wants to be a part of the process there. Um, obviously, he wants to be if he signed for eight more years there. But, uh, you know, I think that's got potential to be a win for both uh, both sides, for the Wings and for Larkin. But I do agree with you. It shows, uh, you know, Sabres getting guys early uh, could create some team-friendly deals for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, um, yeah, it's just the the chicken thing. Like I said, it's interesting. Um, there's going to be lots of opinions on that, and more to come by now. But again, too, like this is another one I just found from Joe Marino at the Charging Buffalo contributor there. Um, Sabres re- could have realistically gotten Chikrin without giving up any of their core NHL roster players. Savoy, Kulich, Osland, and Rosine. I get if you want the Ottawa first more, but you have spare pieces to top that. So, and that's what I mean. Like, where are the Sabres wide, pretty widely have regarded the, regarded the, have the best prospect pool in the league. So, it's like, I get that school of thought, too, where it's like, you have the extra ones. So, like, take a flyer on which one you think won't pan out to what you're hoping and throw that in the deal too. And like, even, I get that school of thought. I just don't know if I will. agree with it. Even if you think they will, right? Like you look at you look at a guy like Savoy and I'm not saying that Savoy is not a great prospect, but what I'm saying is you look at a lot of what Buffalo has up front, right? And you're like, okay, you've got Thompson, you've got cousins, you've got, um, Paterka, Quinn, all these, all these young players, Krebs, you can even throw in there. These guys are all already up in the NHL. So yeah, Savoy might turn into a really nice NHL top six forward, but are you going to have room to even put him in the top six on your team? Yeah. You know, know. so it's like, so it's like, Trading him away doesn't even necessarily think you're you're not going to pan out, but it might just be like, hey, this kid can go here. He'll get us, you know, a player that's in a different area that we kind of could use help in right now and then figure it out. Obviously, I don't think the Sabres need another left shot defenseman. Uh, look at look at the list. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's just kind of one of those things with the prospect pools, too, that it's all right, yeah, I'm not saying this kid's not a, not a really strong prospect, but where are you going to put him? Yeah, and I think – I don't know if Savoy is a good example for me personally because I I have him. I would – I don't there, – there's very few deals or trades I think I would include him in. Um, same thing with Coolidge. Um, but I mean, Osland or Rosine, even like I get, you know, those would have been the two if you had to give up like a quote unquote blue chip prospect. Those would have been the two for me, but um, I wouldn't have touched Coolidge or Savoy because I think Savoy, why I, he plays center and junior, I believe, but I can see a guy like that playing the wing well in the NHL too. So I, um, he's just got that, he's got that thing when I watch him where I'm like, yeah, I don't want to. Stay here. We we keep him here. Um, he's just, he's got that thing, Tudor. I'm telling you, he's got that little that spark when he's flying around with that puck. Um, yeah, Matt and, Savoy. And I don't watch closely enough. Not being a Sabres fan, I don't watch their prospects closely enough. Um, I'd love to have a conversation with our boy Walt on that. Oh, he's uh, uh, yeah. We're gonna get him on. Soon. I mean, don't he's he's that. absolutely dialed with the prospect stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's almost. And maybe I have a different mentality, right? Because I've grown up watching a team who doesn't really develop prospects long term. They haven't been. They haven't. That's that's not where they've been. And but even even when the even part. when they were bad, right? Like younger, the guys that turned that team. Around, yeah, they're not. They, they weren't really they known came. for the drafting. I, yeah, they, I see what well, no, saying. they did. They drafted Crosby. They drafted Latang. They drafted that doesn't, Malkin. That but doesn't, the none of those count. 
but what I what I'm saying is, <laughs> if I can finish a sentence, damn it, get, I mean, get the uh, fuck out of here. What I'm saying is, they they didn't really like develop those guys, right? They were all NHL ready and came in right away and learned right in the NHL. So like, I've never really seen a team draft a guy, send him back to junior or draft a college kid and then kind of watch him come up through the ranks. Cause that's just not how Pittsburgh's ever really done it. With their yeah. Players. You're you know, speaking they, more on the long play of prospects versus yeah, so already like, made ones. So like, and maybe that skews my opinion on it because I'm used to seeing a team that doesn't do that, but I just feel like all these teams put so much emphasis on future draft picks and future assets and these are all teams that we say, oh, they're two years away, they're three years away, and then they're going to be sick. And then two, three years from now, we're still talking about prospects they have coming up, and they're still not in the goddamn playoffs. Like, no. So it's like, what? at some point... It's a fine line. It's a fine line to walk. Point, I'm just like, all right, like, why are, we, why, why are we sitting here hoarding all of these prospects as a GM when you can go out and get a guy that you know is an impact player in this league today yeah i um yeah and i think i just think it, it feels weird to me to be having because it feels like the chikrin deal sparked this conversation right where it's it kinda, like it kind of did but like and, and it's because my brain keeps going back to like all the points you're making phenomenal by the way phenomenal um I, my brain keeps just going to him where it's like this this applies to just trades in general, right? Like it's, and again, it's an in each trades its own thing because each player involved adds a new layer, a new wrinkle to all these different things. So again, to this point, I don't have a reason to not trust Kevin Adams. I'm quite confident he probably made at least two offers for chicken. Um, and again, I just go back to, it, I understand why right now as a Sabres fan, I'm envious of the Senators getting him because, I mean, they're like I said, they're kind of in the playoff race, but he's a piece that helps now and down the road because there's some well, cost control and, there. But he, it's just like. And to be fair, though, Benny, I wasn't trying to go down the chicken road when I asked you about how Sabres fans feel about making a move. I know we kind of took that route, but. It was already really, fresh on the mind. Yeah. It, yeah, it was fresh on the mind, and I know both of us kind of ran down that yeah. direction. But looking at it from where I was originally thinking about it, I wasn't even thinking of Chikrin, right? Like, okay. forget forget Chikrin, forget left shot defenseman. Buffalo's got, you know, 50 more than they need right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's mm. if your team is in position to make that run, I get that you have some young pieces, prospects, whatever you're excited about. Would you rather see them make a move or a splash today to push this team over the edge this year, right? Whether that be another forward, whether it be a defenseman, maybe even a goaltender in Buffalo because – Buffalo can score a hell of a lot of goals, but they seem to have trouble keeping it out of their own net sometimes. So it's like, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's just these guys have been working their tails off all season long and put them in this position. Do you want to see the GM, you know, maybe make a splash and take a chance to show them like, hey, we're going to reward you? How about this? Um, I'll save that. Um, Yeah. I think, again, it just really comes down to, and I think why we spent so much time on chicken specifically is because, truthfully for me, I don't know enough to where it's like I hear all these great things about him. I don't yeah. – I haven't watched him play a ton. Like, I know there's a lot of people that know a lot of shit that I read and read their stuff and pay attention to because they know a lot of shit and they do their homework who speak very highly of him on that front. There's also, So it's like – it's easy to microanalyze that one, but there are other players that I would be very comfortable giving up, you know, already drafted assets for. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite positive that's the case for the scouting staff for Kevin Adams and the organization too. 
It's just, I think this again is where I'm okay with it this year, this season, because I didn't think we'd be where we are now. So it's like every, this is all extra. Now they're playing meaningful hockey right now. They're getting a little taste closer to the playoffs. Yes. I would like them to get in and actually experience it. But if there's, if you don't, I overpaying, no overpaying. And that's what you do with trade deadlines. So like I get everybody around you is doing stuff. Teams that should and have to overpay are the teams that are legit, like could win the Stanley cup this season. Right. So I personally don't think Chikrin's that player for most teams in this league in contention. So, and the Sabres being one of them. So I just think that on an individual basis is where I'm going. But again, there are tons of players and I'm sure there's a bunch I can't think of off the top of my head that are on bad teams right now that would probably be, you know, that you could have a conversation about to get in here to make an impact to improve, you know, while Alex Tuck is out or what have you. So I just think a lot of the times now and then social media, you see the big trades happening. You're like, man, why is my team not do it? And it's like, well, what are you mad about? Are you mad about the Toronto Maple Leafs getting fucking, who did they just get from the Blackhawks? Jake McCabe. Sorry, McCabe. You had a lot of fun years here. I know that. Um, it, and they got like, Lafferty Laffer- in that deal too. Great. They still haven't won a fucking playoff series since Vietnam. Right. Well, or not Vietnam. It's like they haven't won a cup since <laughs> Vietnam. They haven't we we haven't been in the playoffs in 12 years of Buffalo Sabres and we still won a series more recently than the Maple Leafs. It's one of the most incredible things ever. Um so like I don't know that I'm that jealous because Toronto does this all the time and it doesn't work. But then you see past situations of teams like the Blackhawks, the Penguins. They've done it and it's worked. But they were ready to do that, like you were just saying, dudes. I don't think the Sabres have a cup-ready team to where they're just missing a goalie or you're just missing right. that Jacob Chikrin-style defenseman. And in fairness, I don't think any of the teams in that wild card race are, right? Like All of those teams, I think, could get into the playoffs, potentially win a series, give another team a really hard you know, six, seven-game series. But I don't see right now, and it pains me to say this, uh, I don't think any of those teams are one player away from winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah. If you're the if you're, you know, the the Boston Bruins getting a guy like Orlov to round out their decor and play a little on the power play, do that sort of thing. Garnet Hathaway in there. Garnet Hathaway. Exactly. That makes sense, right? Because they're already the best team in the league, and now you're going to add these guys to it. Stanley Cup favorites, for sure. You're the New York Rangers. You're in that mix. You made it to the conference final Mm -hmm. last year. Now you're going to add a guy like Patrick Kane. God damn it, I hope I don't have to watch Jacob Trubel win a Stanley Cup. But it could happen. Um you know, so it's like those those splashes, yes, they work for those teams that are legitimately probably one player away from having a good chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Penguins get one player right now. I think they could win a series, but I don't think they're gonna run that gauntlet that's the Eastern Conference with one with one more guy on that roster with the way their bottom six has struggled, the way their decor hasn't played great. You know, the Sabres, yeah, same thing. They're, they've been unbelievable this year. They might be the most fun team in the league to watch, just objectively. But yeah. you add, you, I don't care who you add to that team outside of maybe Connor McDavid. I don't think they're one player away from going to the Stanley Cup. And even if you add him, I don't think they are. You know, like, it's just. Yeah, I don't, I would know, say so. Like, it would have to be what? Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, like, that's, like, you'd, <laughs> like have to, you'd have to add a goalie who's going to stand in their head, or like, every, yeah. I mean, every team would have a different need in that spot. But yeah, those those teams in the wild card race, like realistically, as a fan of those teams, I think we all should understand we're not one player away. Yeah, and 
but at least I I don't know. As much as I say that, I like to see a GM that it that's trying to help the guys get over the hump, you know? Yeah. And I just think it's just not really quite the year for that. So we'll see um, how it goes. But like I said, by the time this episode drops initially, we'll have another day. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm trying to think, has there been a deal? Obviously we've been talking about a core few, but has there been a deal yet that you were like, whoa, like really opened your eyes to something that surprised you really caught your attention? Um, just, I'm trying to think, I'm thinking of this, uh, you know, I'm trying to take my Sabres fandom out of it. I'm just trying to think objectively across the league. Um, have you seen anything that came through? Oh, Teddy Bluger traded from the there, there you go. Right on right while we're on the air. Teddy Bluger out of here. How do you feel about that, Tudes? Let's get your real time um, reaction. I was happy for him the other night. He scored his first goal in 35 games. Um, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, so I mean that's cool. Yeah, they got a third round pick and a defenseman for him from uh from Vegas, to be honest with you, Peter. Uh, Deliber- deliberator that could tell you right there. I don't really know anything about the guy. I'll have to do some research, but yeah, you know, to get to get, I guess, a defenseman. I'm assuming a young one here, and then a third round pick um, for a guy like Bluger. I think Bluger's really, really good on the penalty kill. He's a good kind of bottom end center, good energy guy. Throw the body around, you know kill those five on four situations for you but you know he really hadn't been doing much of anything this year i hope he gets a chance to to play well in vegas and i hope he does well there because i like i like the player he is i just it wasn't working for him in pittsburgh this year and yeah that's that's ron hextall making a splash for you um, <laughs> uh um yeah no that one that's interesting. That's an interesting deal. I get Vegas, you know, trying to just kind of load up there because who the hell knows what's going to happen in the West. Um, for me, a little off the radar, Jesse Pugliarvi to the Hurricanes. Yeah. Um, a, a good group of Finns there playing, you know, big part of that team. I'm sure he'll feel very welcome very quickly. They seem like a really close-knit group. I just think – I don't. I could never understand, aside from the fact he played for a Canadian team for his, you know, his career up until now. Pugliarvi, the guy just got raked in the media all the time, and I just couldn't figure out. Like when I'd watch him play, I'm like, this guy plays hard. He's got some skill. He's big. Like I mean, yeah, I, he was a high draft pick, and he doesn't produce like you'd want him to, but like. Is anyone, I mean, maybe this year is a bad example, but like, you know, it's like a Sam Bennett almost. Like maybe he just needs like a change of scenery finally to see what happens. Because, dudes, I don't know about you. If you were playing for the Burners even and all you saw all over the Seneca Hall Twitter was rumblings that you were on the trade block for three straight sessions, wouldn't that get in your head a little bit? I mean, honestly, that's that's how I'm feeling now with some of the young guys we've been bringing into the team here. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to make the boys laugh a little more in the locker room so I don't get sent down to the bronze league at this point. Oh, but, God, uh, no. We There's always going to be a need for a jumbo you know, on a On a side note there, yeah, the best, the best thing anyone's ever said to me was when I made that comment after a game when we brought a couple uh, kids 21 years old fresh out of junior to sub for us. And yeah. uh, I made that comment about getting sent down and you said I was our Zemgis Gergensen's and I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, that, yeah. was, that was that was kind of that was my big uh, that was my big comfort right there. But Good. no, I mean, I'm looking at Pooley RV and I mean, it's it's 100 percent the the effect of where he got drafted because he was the fourth overall pick in the first round of the 2016 draft. And the guys that got drafted around him were Austin Matthews one, Patrick line two. And then right behind him at four was Mikhail Sergachev, who's had a pretty decent run um, so far, or I'm sorry, uh, 
we had Pierre Luc Dubois ahead of him. Um, and then uh, Sergachev was later on in that round. But so let me go through top five Matthews, Line, Pierre Luc Dubois, all very productive NHL players. Then you've got Pugliarvi. You got another Finn, uh, Oli Yolivai. I don't know. Yep, no, I haven't hey, heard Vancouver. Haven't haven't seen him do anything. Then you had Matthew Tuchuk, uh Clayton Keller, mm, Alex yeah. Nylander, yeah. Tyson Jost. Alex so, Nylander, they really missed on that one. Oh, uh, yeah, and you know, now, <laughs> sorry, I mean, Alex. <laughs> they got Tyson Jost for free too this year, uh, on waivers in Buffalo. Um, yeah, yeah. and he was the tenth overall pick in that draft. So it's like again, back to our earlier point on even high draft picks don't always pan out. Right. But yeah, I think the same thing with Puliarvi. Like I watched him play in that absolute pumping Ottawa, or I'm sorry, Edmonton gave the Penguins last week, mm. and Puliarvi looked awesome. Yeah, he, he's he play, he's tough to play against. He's not a small guy. He can can move the puck a little bit, but everyone expects that top five pick to be their franchise cornerstone type player. And he hasn't turned into that, especially in a market like Edmonton. But again, Edmonton is one of those teams that over and over again was, oh, like, you know, we're protecting, you know, what we've got because we have all these guys that are number one overall or number two overall draft picks. And and then you what, get what is it, David and it all. Yeah, and like, and what has it gotten them? You know, like they they still they can't put shit around them, right? They're still struggling to do it, right? So it's that's kind of you know the struggle, and I think I, a guy like Puliarvi just he becomes a target in that environment because everyone wants to blame somebody, and yeah. in Edmonton, you're not going to blame McDavid, you're not going to blame Drysdale. Because they're two of the top, probably three players you could argue on the planet. At right, they're the reason time. that we're having this conversation about that so in the first place because they keep them in the contention. <laughs> right. So what are you going to do? You're going to pick the other guy that was a top five pick and just throw it all on him. And yeah, him and Nugent Hopkins seemed like they were two that always got got it really rough in Edmonton. Nugent Hopkins, Larry's turned into a great piece for that team. Um, yeah. You know, but it took a while. There was he was in trade rumors up to last year, I remember. Dude, people, um, but people like forget, people forget too how freaking young these guys are, right? I know. Look, look at look at guys that you know across the league. Like Rasmus Dahlin is in like his fifth season in the NHL, and the dude's like twenty three. Yeah. Like what are we like what are we talking about here? We talk about all these guys, and we're like, oh, this guy. You know, he's he's brutal, whatever, this and that. He's in his fourth year in the league. He might be in his fourth year in the league, but he's still 22 years old. Like, it's not like this guy's in the back end of his career. Give give these guys a little bit of time. But right. nobody, nobody wants to be patient, especially right. with a top five pick, right? And in a Canadian market. Um, but, yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to touch on, too, with the Oilers, because I really, really like that at home deal for them. I think yeah. that could end up being huge because they have not had that type of defenseman. Um, cause I think for me, when I watch, you know, I don't watch, you know, the Preds a ton, but the games I've seen at home, cause he was in a lot of trade rumors last year too. Um, just seeing his game, like, God, is he a, I don't know. I don't know how many teams wouldn't want him in their decor in the league. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. got the size. He just plays that playoff style hockey, like a lot. And he's just very comfortable in it. It seems, I think it's an awesome deal for Edmonton. And I think they desperately needed that. Um, and I think they knew it too. When you see the main piece of the return to Nashville was Tyson Berry. Obviously it's the 23 first round pick and yeah. whatever stipulations are there, but to send another D man back in the deal, I think it shows Edmonton knew they needed to really step up and, the price matches, you know, you're stepping up your, your decor there. So I think that's a great move for them because who doesn't want to see Connor McDavid playing deep into the playoffs? Let's, let's be real. I tell you what the NHL does. <laughs> the NHL definitely does. 
I mean, that's, um, the, that's the worst thing, right? Like, in, yeah. in every sport, that's the nightmare. The best player on the, in the world isn't playing in the biggest stages. Yeah, exactly. Um, they got a nice taste of it last year, and I'm, I'm interested to see what that team does. Um, so, yeah, buddy. Um, anything else that we didn't cover on the trade deadline stuff? Um, I know the Sabres uh, did trade, end up trading Eric Portillo's rights to the Kings in exchange for a 23 third-round pick. I'm wondering if that's just going to be a piece in a deal um, after this episode drops or, you know, um, that we just haven't seen yet. So keeping your eyes peeled on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of everything I've taken away. I mean, obviously we talked about O'Reilly and there's been some other moves we didn't get to. But as far as ones that really caught my attention, we've pretty much covered those. Um, is there anything else on the trade front that you wanted to discuss that we haven't? I think the only thing really was biggest piece probably that's still potentially in play would be JT Miller out in Vancouver. Um, yeah. I know that I saw some Penguins um, beat writers tweeting yesterday that they've heard the Penguins are involved in talks for that. Don't really think I love that, to be honest with you. I'd rather uh, go with like a Brock Besser, I think, than JT Miller. I just, yeah, I mean, JT Miller, you're going to have an $8 million cap hit and potentially have to give up a lot more. Granted, back end of his career, too. He could be a little more of a shot in the arm for the team, of course, but you're not going to put him in the bottom six where you really need help. And realistically, are you going to be trying to pay him that much money with the other guys you have at the end of their career and then not be able to sign more? I don't know. Exactly. So I'm hoping that's maybe not the case unless somehow they pull off a robbery, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I think he's probably in my head, the biggest name left that's uh, been floating out there that could be on the move. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of Vancouver names there. One thing that I wanted to ask you too, cause we talked about goalies and I almost forgot about this. Yep. Um, one of the trades I wanted to talk about, and I originally wasn't really going to, but you said something earlier that made me think about it when you mentioned goaltending for the Sabres. Um, last one we can kind of cover here, um, trade deadline so far in the NHL though. Kings trade, uh, Gavrikov, the D-man there, Vladislav Gavrikov, and Jonas Korpisalo to the Blue Jackets, or to Blue Jackets. the Kings. Yep. Blue Jackets get Jonathan Quick, a conditional 23 first, 2024 20, third round pick. Um, note on that conditional first. First rounder will downgrade to second round picks in 23 and 24 if the Kings miss the playoffs this season. Interesting. So um, I don't think that's going to happen. So it looks like it's going to be a first, and then that's all the protection there. But either way, goalie swaps going on there. Jonathan Quick, amazing run at the Kings, right? Stanley Cup winner. Can't say enough about him. Olympics, too, for the United States, right? Like, um, but interesting move there because i know the kings needed help on d when we saw that come through it clearly seemed they were out on tricker and right who's always been the big d name that we've talked about a ton on this episode and previously but um corbisalo going back that way interesting right mm -hmm. um i don't know what your thoughts are on there because that was something where it's like I don't know that either of our teams could have made that happen if that was needed, but I found it interesting that, you know, team in the situation like the Kings where it's wide open out West. I see why they're trying to be aggressive on the goaltending thinking they need help. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts were on uh, Kings legend, Jonathan quick on the move to Columbus. I have a feeling that's not his final destination on this one. I would guess only because I did see a couple tweets yesterday after that happened where apparently Quick was pretty hot about it, pretty pissed off. Uh, understandably so, if that was the case, just because, you know, the runs he's had there, the Stanley Cups, the amount of time he's put in in that organization. I also would be curious to know how that went over in the, uh, in the room with all the guys, especially with some more veteran guys like Drew Doughty. Kopitar. Um, Kopitar, especially, you know, those guys that have been there for a long time with him. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that was very well received, you know, on one. On Actually, one dude, hand. it's really interesting. Sorry to cut you off. I saw somebody commenting about Kopitar's postgame interview yesterday. 
where they had that crazy comeback and he scored four goals and he looked like annoyed almost. And I'm now going back to it, I'm like, I wonder if he was just kind of bummed about the, because I'm sure they, you know, that was a big thing. I'm sure, I wonder if he was just kind of bummed about quick. Because it was kind of strange to see, because usually he's kind of a smiley guy, right? And I didn't think about yeah. that till just now. But anyways, sorry to cut you off there. No, I, I was just exactly, that was kind of my my point. So I'm glad you brought that up and, and shared that because I think that as much as everyone in the NHL or professional sports realizes it's a business, they yeah. also form very real friendships, right? Oh, and yeah. when you're with somebody that long, you're on road trips with them all the time, you're at practice together, you're at the rink, like those are very real friendships. And sometimes I think a lot of these guys, and I can understand it, I, I feel like, you know, most of us would think the same way where it's, you know, hey, don't don't trade my guy like he's done so much for this organization and brought so much success here. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's tough. I, I hate to see it for quick. Cause I know obviously that's, it seems like that's a place he wanted to just stay his entire career, but you can yeah. understand it from the business aspect of it where you get Corpusalo, who's, you know, a good, a good goaltender. Um, and then yeah, you're right. also, you're also getting a really solid defensive prospect not prospect but defensive piece. player yeah piece to put in your lineup there that a lot of teams were really highly uh you know seeking after him so i think it makes sense for the kings i think it just that's where the business side of sports sucks for you know for individuals yeah for sure absolutely because you think about that a lot the cane deal um is another one obviously um you know, you you go back to Claude Giroux last year when he went to the Panthers. Um, you know, there's so many of them. Um, it, it can, it's just one of those things. It can be tough, but um, yeah, I think it's been a. Again, like we did an entire episode today for the trade deadline, and it's not even deadline day. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Some interesting stuff. I'm really excited to see. Actually, by the time this is out and a lot of you listen, it's probably done by now and we'll catch up on it next episode once Willie's back. And uh, But yeah, no, it was a really good discussion. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, my man. Um, we, we, we really dove into it. Um, anything for the people as we part here for episode 94? Any closing thoughts from John Tudor? Um, you know, no, no real closing thoughts here. Just... Um... You know, looking forward to a good uh, second half of the well, more less than second half of the season here. I think it's going to be a fun run, and I think you and I are going to have some uh, some pretty fun banter going back and forth with the way that uh, our two favorite teams are playing musical chairs with that wild card spot. I know, right? It's going to get really interesting down the stretch here. Get Derek back in the fold when he's back from down under. He'll be chiming in for sure. Um, yeah. And to everybody listening, thanks again for the support. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we've been talking about it since we came back, though. We're working on a lot of exciting, you know, growth changes, if you will, with the podcast and taking it to the next level. Um, working very, very hard on that. And um, so stay tuned because we got some exciting stuff coming up this year. I'm going to keep teasing until it starts coming out. Be on the lookout for some new Just Edition merch. Make sure you get your skate skins. And make sure you like and subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, whatever the case is, right? Especially YouTube, though. We're really trying to grow the YouTube. Appreciate you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week for episode 95. See you later, everybody. Take care.